Hey guys, welcome to Girl Meets Show, the relationships podcast for people in a relationship with TV. I'm Jordan. And I'm Taylor. This week is a little grim as we will be discussing our thoughts on the HBO mini docu-series Alan v. Farrow, but we also have some good things to talk about, and we'll start with that. Jordan, do you have some TV news for us? Yes, I do. Um, some breaking news as of today um, that I think are really exciting. First of all, um, I'm sure if you're listening to this and have any interest in TV, then you probably saw this, but they dropped um, the cast for the Disney Plus Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show, which is turns out is like a mini series. It's they're calling it a special event series, which I, I was confused by the special event thing. Yeah, I mean that that's just throwing a whole new term into the mix. Because <laughs> that usually means like it's like a cast table read at on Zoom, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um, what I'm ho- what I'm optimistically thinking that to mean along the lines of a um, mini series that is contained just to like one season and I just I feel like some of these people like I don't know if you and McGregor would agree to like a potentially multi-season show you know like so anyway I'm um I'm excited kind of about that and I'm also excited at the casting so we already knew about you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen coming back to be Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker again which was like huge news um and among the people that I'm really excited about um that they announced are for starters Joel Edgerton and Bonnie uh Peace I think is her how you pronounce her last name it's exciting for two reasons the first one is that they played um the Luke Skywalker's adoptive parents in the prequels like the young versions of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. And the second fun thing is that fun is kind of a weird word to use, I guess. <laughs> but Bonnie Peace, we've seen before because she is one of the whistleblowers from Nexium. Yes. And it's just like kind of a wild thing. Like they talk about her Star Wars role a lot in um The Vow, the HBO Nexium documentary. And I kind of just forgot about that. And so now to have them both coming back is just like really just kind of a cool thing um weirdly excited about it um but also Kumail Nanjiani we who obviously we love he's gonna be in this Obi-Wan show um Indira Varma who we just talked about from Game of Thrones who got cast in an unnamed Star Wars thing and so I guess now we know the Star Wars thing (laughs) um Let's see. I mean, it's kind of like a long, interesting list because another person is Rupert Friend, who haven't really seen him since Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. um, the Keira Knightley one. Um, I know him best as that Pride and Prejudice because he he's like a Orlando Bloom lookalike kind of. <laughs> yeah, that like all the tweets I saw were like, "Wait, this isn't Orlando Bloom." that's like if we had twitter in 2005 when that pride and prejudice came out that's what we all would have been tweeting about Mm -hmm. (laughs) another person i am really excited about as a fast and furious head soon kang from fast and furious he plays a fan favorite character named han and he's going to be in this show and he's just like 
the best guy in the whole franchise. We love Han. All my Fast and Furious heads out there. If you know, you know. Um, And then O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is Ice Cube's son, who I know him best from um, Ingrid Goes West. He's in that movie. Oh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, because I actually never saw... um, straight out of Compton but he played yeah. he's Ice Cube's son and he played Ice Cube and I never saw that movie but he was really good in Angry Goes West and the one other person I know is uh Benny Safdie one of the Safdie brothers who directed <laughs> Uncut Gems so it's just like <laughs> wow what a list of random people all of whom seem really cool did you are um, did you was- also mention Moses Ingram no, because I don't know. She was she was the friend on um, Game of Thrones. Or what? Queen's Gambit. <gasps> no way. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Wow. I didn't do a lot of extra research, sadly. You so, had more information you. than me. That was the only one I was, I was also excited about. Wow. Well, she was like a major highlight of Queen's Gambit, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So, yeah. People from several different areas and it made me I'm already excited about this because I feel like Disney Plus has really proven themselves with their shows so far Mm -hmm. and this cast is really exciting wow I feel like I just did like a book report or something (laughs) (laughs) and that's the end of this podcast episode thanks for listening (laughs) uh yeah it was a it was a lot to be dropped on us on a Monday morning Mm-hmm. It was a lot. Okay, here's one I don't know much about, but I am intrigued because of the casting as well. There's a new HBO series about uh, the Lakers in the 1980s called The Lake Show. And Bo Burnham has been cast, which I already... I did not hear about him. I'm so confused. He's playing well... Larry Bird. Which honestly oh, checks out because gosh. isn't Bo so tall? Yeah, I really forgot that he was, but the second you were saying that, he just, I think it's because he has a shorter energy, <laughs> <laughs> but he is like freakishly tall. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. John C. Riley. The one I'm the most excited about that I saw a couple days ago is Sarah Ramos. Yes. And she's kind of a friend of the pod. In our dreams. <laughs> she is a friend of the pod. For sure. And I'm just excited because I feel like I haven't seen her like with an acting job for a while. I've just seen her like with her own self-made Instagram videos, you know? Totally. I think, um, I almost think that her Instagram videos have shown me how good she is at acting because I don't know if her character had a ton to do like on Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I remember being like, I remember be, f- like being surprised to find out how like funny and cool she was because she was, um, kind of a dramatic character on Parenthood being like yeah. a teen girl, you know? Um, so I, I'm really excited for her to have a chance to shine. She's so good. Yeah. I'm very excited for her to be on an HBO series. She deserves it. Yeah. I really don't know anything about 1980s Lakers, so... <laughs> We're going to learn. I don't. <laughs> I'm excited to be educated. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that was just barely announced is that um, they had said so a billion years ago. 
they had announced that Kate McKinnon was going to play um, Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos in a Hulu show. But now she Kate McKinnon has dropped out and they've replaced her with Amanda Seyfried. Which I think is interesting. And I feel like that makes me still intrigued. Same. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how that would go. I'm not, I'm definitely not opposed to it at all. Um, I think Amanda Seyfried's talented. Um, Elizabeth Holmes is just like really outrageous in her mannerisms and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very interesting. Also, didn't Kate McKinnon, did she also drop out of the Tiger King thing? I don't remember. And I it's don't remember. I know we talked about it. Just, <laughs> yeah, but it's just interesting if like, what else, what other thing does she have going on, you know? Something big. Hope something really huge. <laughs> something that I'm very excited about because every single like word is like a word that means a lot to me. So there's going to be an A24 comedy drama series on Netflix um, called Beef, which follows two people who let a road rage incident burrow into their minds and slowly consume their every thought and action, which so like all of that is already right up my alley, especially because I also deal with road rage and sometimes <laughs> let it burrow into my thoughts and actions. <laughs> and um, I actually just saw this part that um the creator worked on Tuko and Birdie Lee Sung Jin oh my gosh but the two leads are Steven Yun and Ali Wong so it's just like a lot of great things seriously so I had seen that they were cast together I had no idea it was A24 no idea it was about road rage so wow I'm learning a lot and this sounds great, and I want to watch it now. And, okay, also, for some reason, I had in my head it was a movie, so I want to see a series of them. Yeah, I'm, so excited I'm excited about it. Also, cool that that, um, that person is going from animation to live action for this. That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. Also, I'm realizing Steven Yeun and Ali Wong are both leads in Too Good Birdie, so. Oh, perfect. All, that makes sense. It all Full comes circle. together really yeah, it comes together really well. Uh, let's see. I think this is my last news. Um, did you hear about all the the Disney the Disney movie updates slash Disney Plus releases for some of these movies? I did, but you should share with the with the rest of the world. It is interesting to me. Um, basically. Most of their movies are getting pushed back, which is, like, kind of to be expected, you know? Cruella is dropping in May, and that is what it was scheduled to do. But you're going to have to pay $30 to watch it. And um, similarly, Black Widow was supposed to drop this month. It is actually being moved to July, but you'll also have to pay the $30. And to me, I was surprised that they're doing that for Cruella. I think that it's been advertised as, like, this is a streaming movie. So mm -hmm. I had the mindset of like, I'm going to expect streaming movie quality. Um, and so the fact that there you have to pay the 30 bucks to watch it is really surprising to me. 
Yeah, I feel the same. I wonder if it's because they have Emma Stone. They think that they can get mm-hmm. more people in involved. I don't know. Or yeah. invested, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she definitely... She, her casting already takes it up a notch, you know, obviously. But I was really surprised that they're doing that. Um, and the Black Widow one surprises me, too, because I think by July... Like, theaters are pretty optimistic about where they'll be by July, even in big cities. I read that they're they're going to be in theaters at the same time. Basically, you can watch it at home for $30, or you can go see it in the theater for 10 Exactly. I don't understand that. Like, it's very confusing to me. Um, being able to pause a movie at home to go to the bathroom is a perk, but not for $30. Um, and I just know that like Marvel heads want to watch a Marvel action movie on the big screen. And like, I just, I'll be shocked if it does well for the $30 at home rental fee, you know? Yeah. Happier news. Um, it, more convenient news is that the newest Pixar movie, Luca is going to also drop on Disney plus, um, for no extra cost on June 18th, but it also will not play in theaters at all. Mm hmm. And that is very, the whole thing is really strange to me. I feel like Pixar is another type of movie that people like to watch on the big screen because it looks so pretty. Yeah. But I feel like they had a really good, um, they probably did really well with Soul. So maybe that's what oh, for formed sure. their decision. Yeah, I, I definitely think they did. But it's like, it's also something that I feel like might do well for the $30 compared to Cruella, you know? I was just kind of confused by a lot of those. And you're also missing that they pushed back Free Guy. The movie True. that we don't know if is really, really exists. Also, Death on the Nile. That one that oh, I really? want to see. Except Army Hammer mm-hmm. is going to screw it all up. And that one is now like, I don't even remember. The, I, I like that the like Ryan Reynolds' posts about free guy or like making fun of the fact that <laughs> like we hope this is the real date and stuff also it's funny because like taika waititi's in it he does never even post about it <laughs> ryan reynolds is the only one they like make post about it it's it's hilarious um speaking of taika i have a question for you what do you know what save ralph is supposed to be is it a movie oh that mouse thing it's like a rabbit yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's a mouse uh, with let really me pull long up his ears. Twitter. <laughs> no, it's definitely a rabbit. But now I'm looking at it. Um, no, I had literally no clue. I only saw that when he posted about it. I feel like I I feel like maybe on his Instagram did he specify that it was like a short film? No, I don't remember. All it says on his Instagram is like this is a cool thing that's coming soon. If you don't watch it and love it, then you hate animals. And we can't be friends anymore. But, like, hmm. it's has Taika and Ricky Gervais and Zac Efron and Olivia Mum. And it says written and directed by someone. Like, so, like, I guess it's probably a movie, but I was just confusing, confused about it. And it's, like, presented by Humane Society International. Yeah, so I was like, is this like a short film to love animals? I don't know. I literally have no clue. That, I mean, he's also lazy and 
put that exact same <laughs> caption in his tweet. So <laughs> I didn't well, learn anything lazy. else by going to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Get some work ethic. Um, You're only working on like 50 different things right now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, we'll just leave that a mystery. Great. But I'm glad you saw that too because I was, yeah, I have no, I have no idea what that is. Guess we'll just wait and see. Um, the last thing I just wanted to talk about is, have you seen the, I know we talked about this last week, but now there's been like photographs coming out of it. Um, but Natasha Leone and um, Annie Murphy filming Russian Doll season two. Have you seen the <gasps> images? No. Oh my gosh. They are incredible because Annie Murphy does not even look like herself. Like you wouldn't even know that it was Annie Murphy unless they specified in the caption. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Without her like Alexis hair. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Oh my gosh. Wow. Fun. Do you think they're supposed to be like sisters? I don't know. It's a mystery. Who freaking knows? But I'm really excited and I need to rewatch season one of that. Yeah. That's a good thing to rewatch. Yeah. I never really thought about rewatching that, but I think that would be fun. On to top three. So, because uh, of the topic of the show of this week that we'll be talking about, um, we decided to change it up a little bit and talk about three of the th- shows or things we've been watching kind of offline that are, haven't been tied to this podcast. Because I feel like we've both been doing that quite a bit lately. So, Jordan, what's something that you've been watching off the pod? Off the pod, extracurricular. Uh, one thing I've been watching lately was I rewatched Pushing Daisies because it's on HBO Max right now. And um, there's only two seasons. It's like a, just a fun little rewatch. And that show really holds up. It's just like really fun still. And it's, um, I mean, it's one of, it's like one of those things that was like, Right when quirky things were getting cool, kind of, you know, like when Zoe De Chanel, it's like kind of got Zoe De Chanel vibes from like the mid aughts, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it also has a lot of darkness because it's literally all about death and corpses and things like that. But it's very Tim Burton-y and if you've never watched it or you haven't watched it in a really long time, like me, highly recommend watching it on HBO Max. It's very, very fun. Yeah, Jordan had mentioned to me that she was watching it and explained it just like that. And I was shocked because I literally had no idea it was about any of those things. So I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I feel like you would like it, especially because of how much you love Edward Scissorhands. Exactly. Okay. Uh, One thing that I have already finished watching but watched recently was the Netflix miniseries Murder Among the Mormons. Have you watched that? No, I keep forgetting that it's even out. I hear, I've like hear, I would hear about it a lot and then I stopped hearing about it. So it kind of left my brain. Well, I'm putting it back in your brain. Um, I don't know how much this would like appeal to anyone who didn't grow up in Utah specifically. It's just like a little true crime type of show directed by Jared Hess, who made um, Napoleon Dynamite, which I think is hilarious. I did not know he was part of that at all. Yeah, it's weird. With the documentary. Wow. (laughs) 
anyway, I just had no idea that any of this stuff happened. My sister and I were like, this should have been like included in our Utah history class. (laughs) So it's just been kind of fun to talk about with other people and also just really loved all of the like old photos of like downtown Salt Lake City since that's where I live now. Like comparing how it is now to where how it was back then when this event happened is just like really fun and fascinating and yeah I enjoyed it it wasn't like the most amazing true crime thing I've ever seen so that's why I kind of say I don't know if people would enjoy if they didn't have any sort of ties to Utah slash Mormonism but um yeah it was fun okay cool I'm sold great the second thing I have been watching I'd never seen Michaela Cole's I don't know if it's her first TV series or anything, but I'd never seen Chewing Gum. Wow, this is also on HBO Max. It was originally on Netflix. That I know there was a lot of like legal drama there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. So since it's been unavailable for a while now, um, I was really excited to see that it actually is on HBO Max now. And um so I've been watching that. Um, it is a wild ride. It's like, um, the way I would describe it is like, it's very sensory. Like there's a lot of like quick, uh, movements between like, uh, Michaela Cole's narration, like directly to the camera. And then it'll like zip along to like the next character that's talking and it's very bright and colorful. Um, it's like, it's like um very it feels very extra I it's hard to even explain but it's very very funny um it's also very very blunt and it's like all about Michaela Cole's character Tracy who is raised by like a very very uh, Christian mother and lives with her mom and her sister who are very very uh extremely religious and sheltered and Tracy wants to like experience life and like sex and she but sometimes she knows what she's talking about sometimes she doesn't it's and so that combined with like just kind of the like very over the top filming styles and stuff like it's just like it really feels like you're on a roller coaster kind of (laughs) but um it's really really interesting pairing this with I May Destroy You Michaela Cole's latest tv venture it's it's just really interesting and she it's also like i may destroy you was so fascinating because it was very very serious and heavy but also did have a lot of like really strong comedy in it as well at times and this like flips that over where this one leans more into the comedy aspects of it of her writing and stuff and so it's very interesting but yeah if you're up for it i recommend it because it is just it's like an experience but I'm enjoying it (laughs) yeah I I can't wait I need to watch it I'm very intrigued how many seasons is it um it's only two okay and you're still watching it yeah I just have a few episodes left of the second season but yeah each season's only six episodes and they're like 20 to 30 minutes long okay great okay another thing that I have already watched and finished is Dickinson a friend of the pod um has been basically begging us to watch Dickinson (laughs) 
threatening our lives (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so I finally did it and maybe we'll talk about it eventually um because now Jordan's the one who needs to worry about her life since I've watched it yeah seriously I've got to watch my back (laughs) (laughs) it's the apple plus apple tv plus um series with Haley Steinfeld and um it was a really really fun watch and um there's two seasons they go by really fast I watched like the whole thing in a weekend and um the music is really fun all of the people involved are really great um there's like a lot of fun cameos are like shocking and like just again a bunch of friends of the pod I feel like yeah it was a really fun perfect like quarantine times watch because you don't have to think that much but was entertaining and still also meaningful so yeah highly recommend it's on my to-do list for sure it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like I'm not avoiding watching it I just like keep forgetting because it's on freaking apple exactly um but yeah, I need to I need to do that one next. Um the my third thing that I have been watching, it's another rewatch and I was inspired by the news that they're doing a revival of it with the full original cast and that's Party Down. Um it was originally on Stars and now it's on Hulu. And it is just it's so funny. I It's from 2009, and so I will say not all the jokes necessarily aged that well, but at the core of it, it is just hilarious. It's just these, like, these aspiring actors and scriptwriters that would rather be doing anything else, but their, their day jobs are working for a catering company. And, like, the cast is just, it's, it's so fun. It's Adam Scott. It's Lizzie Kaplan, Jane Lynch is, I think her funniest character she's ever been is this character. She is hilarious. Uh, Megan Mullally. Um, they, they're so funny. Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks. Like, it, they just crack me up. And the cameos are, again, I mean, I think that something about us is we're just sucker for really good cameos. And um, like, I think a lot of people are, but I really feel like we obsess over that. <laughs> I know I do. And like just scrolling through the IMDb, like Kristen Bell is in, she's like a recurring character. JK Simmons is in it. June Diane Raphael. Um, it's just like, I don't want to spoil too many, but they are, it's just hilarious. And um, I really have had a good time rewatching that show. Cause I, I rewatched it. Or I, I've watched it for the first time. I mean, for like, it was a while, it was a long long time ago and so the, a lot of it I don't remember and so it's when you rewatch a comedy you don't remember and you don't remember the jokes it's basically like you're watching it for the first time kind of and I just I'm like laughing out loud which I don't really feel like I do that often that's a true sign yeah it's yeah so that's been really fun another one that you've you've brought to my attention that I need to watch the latest one I've been watching and I'm currently watching I decided to take the full dive and watch The Crown. I was, when I went back to start it again, this is like my third or fourth time trying to start The Crown. <laughs> um, I was, I when I went back to start it this time around, I realized I was four episodes in 
and I didn't remember anything. So I just started from episode one. And I would say I I got through those at four again. And then I would say by episode like six or seven, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into this and I'm I'm pretty hooked. So now I'm very invested in the crown. Um, and my little sister's been watching it. And so have my parents and they're all ahead of me. So like our Sunday discussions kind of revolve around what what's going on in the crown and it's been fun even though we're all really behind the times (laughs) that's okay though I feel like it it is you kind of have to work yourself up to it I haven't worked myself up to starting it yet even though pretty sure I've only heard good things especially once you really really get into it like you're saying you know yeah it's another one where we're, we're we weren't we weren't avoiding it but it's just like a heavy one to just start up totally it's like well, it's one of those things where, I mean, I know this might sound silly because I know it's not like, um, it's still entertainment. It might not be 100% factual, but it does feel kind of like it's an educational kind of show, you know, like yeah. it's historical. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my mindset of like, okay, I need to really be in a mindset where I can really like pay attention, but yeah. it sounds like it's worth it. Yeah. It's been good. I like it. HBO mini ser- mini docu-series, Alan V. Farrow. Jordan, do you want to give an overview of this documentary series? I'm like, how many times can yes. I say mini docu-series in this sentence? <laughs> Three. <laughs> it sounds really good, though. There's something pleasing about the word docu-series, but... Yeah, it's true. Um, Basically, Alan V. Farrow is four episodes and they're interviewing the Pharaoh family about their experiences and accusations against Woody Allen. They've accused him of a lot of forms of sexual abuse and assault in their family. And it's basically going through um, their family history and also covering a lot of information I hadn't ever heard of about um trials and allegations against Woody Allen from like the early 90s and so it's kind of going through basically that whole timeline up to present day exactly perfect basically just the way we wanted to talk about this is um we believe Dylan Farrow and so we don't want to get too in the weeds of all the details with that because it can be a scary place, especially like right before we went online and I was looking at all of the IMDb reviews. It's a really, really touchy subject and a lot of people really, really, really love Woody Allen. Yeah, we just wanted to make sure that that was clear as we're discussing this, that we believe Dylan. Anyway, overall with this documentary and how all of the information was presented Jordan how did you feel about it um I thought that it was I thought it was really well done I think that a common complaint that we have discussed in a lot of these kinds of documentaries we've watched or just any kind of documentary um I think it's I get often frustrated if it feels like they're dragging things out too long and like losing focus in order to fill up more time and I never felt that way with this I felt like with four episodes um I never really felt like it was dragging 
And I almost feel like they probably left out a lot of information and context, I feel like, but I feel like it stayed really focused and used their time wisely, if that makes sense. Um, I don't really remember. And I, oh, one other thing too that I would say about the structure is that I felt like each episode also felt like it was different from the last and presented new parts of kind of the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so each episode felt like it was relevant and important. Like even comparing it to, we just want watched the Cecil hotel one and how the episodes just felt, especially towards the end, like unnecessary and not very focused and all over the place. And I never felt like that with this. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, um, like even before the final episode aired, I was like, how are, I know they have like a ton of more stuff to talk about. I will be very surprised if they can like do it all in one more episode. And they did. Um, I didn't feel like I was left with like any, I was, I guess I did have one major question. Um, she does have three children who have died and I, was surprised that that wasn't ever even talked about at all in the series. But that's really the only thing that I felt like was missing. But I, again, I, I don't, I haven't done like a ton of research to know exactly what was missing, but I felt like most of the documentary was, uh, had a lot of, uh, witnesses and, uh, different, uh, people who were willing to, Um, talk and including like the one of the prosecutors like and investigators and almost all of uh, Mia's family who are not Moses or Soon Yi like all were on on air either visually or had like audio clips of them and so it was definitely not like a one-sided thing either, which I think can be a major problem with documentaries, especially dealing with a topic like this. Totally. And that's kind of one of the um, things I wanted to talk about a little bit when you mentioned that it had that, like the whole Pharaoh and Previn, Pharaoh slash Previn family. Um, To my knowledge, I don't really think that um, Mia Pharaoh has spoken much about this whole all these allegations at least not for like probably 20 years um and so having her actually in the documentary added a whole layer of legitimacy and like heart kind of to it and sadness to the whole situation and um and like Mia in general she I loved how they had the context of her personal like life in Hollywood Um, she's already a very interesting person. And so having that context, um, just added a lot to the documentary for me. Totally. I agree. Another, so they like highlighted a lot of Mia's career and life. Um, they highlighted a lot of Dylan's life. Um, they had like, uh, videos from her childhood that had never been released before that are like pretty shocking and hard to watch and hard to ever think someone could disagree with them. Um, and another thing that they did, which I thought was great and interesting was, uh, 
they had like a whole conversation about like how um Woody has been treated in like Hollywood and also why it's so hard for people to believe Dylan and a lot of it is because people just love Woody and his movies and I thought it was just like a really interesting commentary it kind of sounded like they had like picked the commentary out of like conversations I've had with friends like personally in my own life like separating the artist from the art is like a big conversation I've had with like a lot of people and so I thought that that was a really interesting thing and I was kind of glad that they um talked about it and had clips of the people who have like stood by Woody no matter what and other people who have changed their minds and said they believe Dylan and um yeah I thought that it was I thought that was done really well and something I feel like I've never really struggled with because I've never I haven't been a big Woody Allen fan in general which I feel like we have to like disclose by talking about this which I don't think we really do because I believe Dylan either way I I would hope, honestly. Um, But yeah, like I've only seen probably two, maybe three of his movies. Um, Specifically Midnight in Paris, I really hated, which I don't, I don't usually hate movies, but I really hated that movie. I don't know why, but I really did. Wow. Really dropping truth bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's... um that's something that is interesting to me too. I think that Woody Allen is maybe like the um, case study for separating art from the artist because I think he, well, they say it in the documentary. What I liked about the documentary and full disclosure, I, it's easy for me maybe too, because I don't have that pain of needing to separate him because yeah, I have never really, his movies never, never really spoken to me. Um, The ones I like, I've seen some of the classics, you know, and I just feel like I never that they didn't they did just didn't really resonate with me. Um, but there have been other artists, for example, I mean, not to like. I don't want to make this sound like I'm like proving or anything, but like something that was really hard for me was I loved the Cosby show like as a kid and stuff. And so it's like I have felt that pain of feeling like now this art is tainted for me like Mm -hmm. I'm probably never gonna watch the Cosby show again you know so it's like I think that's a valid thing and I think that the documentary offered um sympathy for that as well because they they actually call it a pain that we feel personally when terrible things come out about against a public figure that we love even though we don't know them personally like when they talk to all these critics who are like I'm a New Yorker Woody Allen was New York for me and all this stuff Mm -hmm. it's like yeah that legitimately does hurt even though it might sound silly at first to me since I'm like I don't feel any personal connection to Woody Allen at all even before I learned these things when I was younger you know Mm -hmm. about him but for a lot of people he his art really meant a lot to them and helped them growing up and they related to it and stuff but it's like yeah it sucks (laughs) I don't know I just I feel like for me it's it's too hard to separate the art from the artist in 
in situations like this. And that not only applies to Woody Allen, but to anyone that I learn is an intense, manipulative, like gaslighting abuser. Mm -hmm. To me, it's too hard because I can't turn that thought off when I'm watching, even if it's something that I love, you know? And so I feel like I thought that conversation was extremely interesting in this documentary and they it's not like they only interviewed people that hate Woody Allen movies they were interviewing people that have like a reverence for Woody Allen movies or had that you know like they Mm -hmm. were a little bit heartbroken so I thought that was really interesting aspect to the documentary for sure yeah I totally agree because I wasn't a big Woody Allen fan um I also didn't know about how that was like a reoccurring thing in his movies uh, of him or other people dating really, really young people. And um, along with that, I saw, did you see that um, Woody did an interview yesterday, Sunday? Yes. I saw like a, a CNN tweet saying that, but I haven't seen anything from the actual interview. Um. It was with Paramount Plus's streaming platform, which I'm like, yikes, why did you guys start out with giving Woody a platform? I don't know about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just one of the most interesting things that I read. I read like some quotes that of things that he said um, was saying like nothing that I ever did with Dylan in my life could ever be misconstrued as that. And then also... um, there was no logic to it on the face of it. Why would a guy who's 57 years old, I was, I never was accused of anything in my life. I'm suddenly going to drive up to the middle of a contentious custody fight at Mia's country home, a seven-year-old girl on the surface. I didn't think it required an, any investigation even. Um, but it's like, well, actually, like looking back at your films, like there's actually a lot of signs that this could definitely have been a possibility. So like for him to say that it, there's just like it's the most crazy, most outlandish thing in the world was really wild to me. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the things with separating the art from the artist is especially weird to me with him because he that's the subject of all of his movies because I mean, this movie is or this documentary covers about more than just Dylan. It also covers all everything with Sunyi, mm-hmm. and that that relationship is like that's also a form of child abuse. Yeah, and so a lot of these things are just really out there, and him being in his fifties and sixties dating teenagers is a subject of several of his what like 70 movies Mm -hmm. you know and yeah it's hard it's hard to separate him when that's the subject of the art exactly like he and also like he was the creator of these movies he's acting in most of the movies um I see the greater moral dilemma when it's like an actor acting in as like someone in a movie and didn't actually create it. I see that there's like more nuance there. Basically, I thought this 
docuseries was really well done. And I think it was really important because um, something that they highlight in the series is that this, none of this is like new, well, a little bit of it is new information, I guess, with like the new footage that has never been brought to light. But uh, Dylan wrote this a lot of this down in a letter like years ago. And just because of the times, it wasn't as um, publicized or recognized as something like this is today, which is really interesting and another great point that I think is brought in the series um, because of the Me Too movement. And specifically, there's a lot of stuff that uh, her brother Ronan has done in the media, writing about Harvey Weinstein and breaking that case as well. I was really bummed the weekend that I watched this because I watched, I like binged all of this probably a little too fast. And then I also was listening to the daily episode about Andrew Cuomo. That is, that's a lot. I know. And I was just like, how do we like this? All this Woody Allen stuff came to came about in 1992, which is the year I was born. And like, how are we just like continually letting these men get away with this and like it's just like really sad to me that like we're still not really learning our lesson and like still electing people into office and like putting it people into powerful positions and then when it's too late and like it's pretty clear to me that like the desire for power and abuse are come hand in hand a lot of the times and Yeah, it was just like a really upsetting weekend and I just hope that we can figure out a way to stop doing that and and educate men so that they stop growing up for like that. I think that point of the desire for power and tendency abusive tendencies is like really spot on. And that's the thing. It's like this isn't all industries. It's not only Hollywood. But ho- power in Hollywood is still power. Mm-hmm. And it's like he really did have no one was checking him. Like, even though if people were had heard of this stuff, they still knew it would be good for their career to work with him, you know. And so it's like, I don't know. Even our I mean, baby at, boy, Timothy Chalamet. I know. It's yeah, it's it was really interesting when they go through the actors who have expressed regret Mm -hmm. and it's really not a high percentage of the people that have worked with him but a lot of people in recent years have expressed the regret and donated their salaries that they made from the movies and stuff it's really interesting yeah but I want to say too I binged it as well really fast and I think that that was a bad idea (laughs) it's just extremely I mean, obviously, this is really heavy stuff, especially when you're hearing firsthand accounts from a child Um, and seeing the effect that it had on this whole family. Like, it's it's really dark stuff. And I would recommend not watching the majority of these episodes in a row. It's hard to stop because it's really compelling and really good. But that would be my suggestion. Watch it, but watch it slowly. Yeah. Or just watch it all at once and be sad for all at once <laughs> as opposed to drawing it out yeah totally I mean that I I binged it and then I had to watch 
that was when I watched a lot of Party Down because I was like, <laughs> I need to watch something really just silly. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. In order to leave us with a happy little leave, how am I, how do I word that? Leave this episode on a positive note. On a positive note, yeah. <laughs> Not being such a downer. Um, Jordan, who's your crush of the week? My crush, I, I, uh, with all these extracurricular shows, I have the honor of choosing Adam Scott as my crush this week. <sighs> Lucky. Um, I love a young, it's like pre Parks and Rec, Adam Scott. His hair is just like really fluffy. And he's like, if you love, uh, Ben Wyatt, he's got that like kind of like deadpan downer vibe. Um, he's like a failed actor in Party Down. He is just, he's really cute. And I was very much crushing on him rewatching that. I just saw a meme or something that someone tweeted or posted and they're like, remember how Adam Scott was in this? And now I can't remember what the this was. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, no, I forgot. But wow, what a great story well, I just told. Be- <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because now I'm wondering what it was. I mean, it could have been like stepbrothers or something. That wasn't it. He's in a lot of random stuff. I'm just scrolling through and wow, random fun. Who is your crush this week? I'm going to go with Claire Foy. She's really good in The Crown. And I know that's like not new information, but um, <laughs> I've just been really impressed with her. And I'm already feeling sad for when her character gets replaced. But I know that it'll be even better because it's by <laughs> Olivia Coleman. So... I mean, not better, but still good. Totally. I trust you, even though, again, haven't watched The Crown yet, but... One day. I trust you that that's a great choice. Thank you. All right. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.